Welcome, everybody, to Making Enemies. I am Chris, and with me, as always, are Dave. Hey! And Russ. Welcome! Welcome, everybody, back to the pod. Uh, we're continuing on our heavy metal journey. Um, we're tackling a different topic today. Maybe it's random. Maybe it's not. Who cares? Stuff we like. And that's what this whole podcast is really all about, I think. It is for now. Until <laughs> people start telling us otherwise. Until <laughs> we start doing stuff that other people like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, let's cut right to it, right? So we decided to tackle... We've done lists before. We've done top tens of things and top eights, I guess, whatever that was we did for Zack Snyder movies uh, a while back. Um, but we decided to tackle an entire decade of heavy metal. So similar to last year's, last season's Zack Snyder episode, we each ranked our own top 10 heavy metal albums of the 90s. We assigned them values. We combined those lists together, averaged them out. We sent them out for analysis to get a final <laughs> result. And, and, to, uh, and to, be, to be noted, it took some calculus to get to. We had, calcu- we, yeah. we had many, many ties that had to be... Calculating. <laughs> we came up with a final, final list after the final- enough beep-boop-bop-boops happened. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if you do enough beep-boop-bop-boop, uh, you get a decent list. So we've ranked uh, the Making Enemies top 10 heavy metal albums from the 1990s. Um, again, why not, I think, is the best reason yep. uh, to explain why. Because there's so many good albums during that time. That's why. Albums I, we I, love. I absolutely agree. Um, but to be fair, the 90s were kind of a strange, I don't want to say strange decade. I think they were good. Like There was a lot of good stuff that came out, but it was bit of a journey right you came out of the 80s which had like the new wave of british heavy metal at the beginning it became thrash which then kind of got turned into hair metal and that was a whole scene and a whole thing sort of derogatory term at this point um but then like nirvana happened and that sort of shifted everyone's mainstream perception perception of hard music heavy music hard rock i guess um but then like a lot of the bands from the 80s and the thrash scene, like they continued to do stuff in the 90s. Um, but then while all that was going on in like the actual, I don't know, ex- quote unquote, extreme metal scene, I guess you had like the, what I think maybe I could be wrong, but I think like sort of the birth of melodic death metal that we kind of came to know and love that has since matured. Yes. Uh, and then like you get to the end of the decade and you've got like new metal on the radio. It was like, it was all over the place. Um, so I guess that's yeah, was, that's my that's my preamble. Yeah, Russ. Yeah, it was like a well, when you have an anal birth, it always got comes out a little weird. So that's what happened <laughs> with this melodic death metal. But anyway, it's like it is fascinating that decade because think about it. When people think about the '90s, right? I'm, I guarantee you, they're not talk, talking about like, oh, it was the birth of melodic death metal, right? <laughs> they're thinking. <laughs> I mean, there's two incredibly popular genres that happened during that time there was the grunge scene which was yep. which we also are fans of total rock and roll and then there was the whole 90s hip-hop scene at the same time there's like two concurrent 
super incredibly popular genres. And then, but we're not going to talk about those guys. We're going to talk about the best metal albums. <laughs> well, yeah. also, also you had in the beginning of the 90s was probably the peak of MTV. Headbangers Ball. Like you had, that was For, an influence yeah. on the first part of the 90s, I think. Um, you had coming into the, like, Coming in the 90s, you had Guns N' Roses, you had Metallica that was somewhat relevant. You had, as far as rock metal, like the common, the common folk would probably associate metal with some of those names, right? Well, and then, I definitely had comments about that for this discussion about yeah. MTV and the videos, how they tie into my absorption of some of these songs. So you're right, definitely. I think that's a really good segue, actually. I, I would like to know from you guys, like, where were you in the 90s? How were you absorbing music? How old were you in 1990? That's, that's <laughs> what I want to... <laughs> Love it. How much of an old fuck are you right now? <laughs> is what I want to get out there. All right, I'll go for For me, from 90 to 95... Eighth was high school, eighth grade through high school. Like that was the first half of the 90s. And the back half of the 90s was my quote unquote lost years where I don't really know <laughs> what I was doing in the back half of the 90s. So that's where I was. <laughs> wow. Well, mine's not that dark. Uh, okay, so I'm the old geezer of the group. So I was actually, you know, in high school during when the first wave of these albums started to come out, which is one of my memories of specifically of songs like Seasons in the Abyss and on uh, Holy Wars, watching the videos at my friend's house after school. Cause they used to like be like, we're releasing a video at six o'clock or like whatever, four o'clock on this day. And we'd all like go to the TV to watch it. And back then they would make a big deal about releasing a Slayer video. <laughs> that's just, on MTV. I'm on MTV. That that's just the difference in time that we're talking about here. It's obviously a much different world now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Dave, you mentioned you kind of called out the early period of the '90s being sort of MTV's heyday. For me, as a young person, <laughs> a youngin, uh, the heyday of MTV was somewhere between 1997 and like. 2001 right <laughs> but like that's kind of that encapsulates most of middle school and high school kind of combined so yeah, of course you, like I you think were watching the, the biggest. like real world and stuff you weren't watching. i was watching real world that's true i was a very advanced sixth grader i thought i thought like the diorama above your crib was showing like videos of slayer <laughs> <laughs> I had this angel of death pacifier. I, that was a bestseller at Bye Bye at Bye Bye Baby, I think. In the his first the words were war ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, yeah, I'm I'm younger than you guys, so like <laughs> I did not I, this is kind of interesting. Like I didn't absorb any of this music until I was in high school, like like junior year, sophomore year, maybe which was in the 2000s. So uh, I kind of came to all of these ones that made our top 10 list 
late, like way after the fact, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of cool. Like I had this very distinct memory. It was, it was actually my freshman year of high school and they had like a guitar club or whatever after school. And I was sitting outside and I was playing something, some Metallica song or something. And one of the other kids that was there, he was a couple years older and he's like, Oh, you play guitar pretty good. And this Metallica song. I said, yeah. He goes, have you ever heard of this? And he handed me a cassette tape of one of the albums we're, we're going to talk about later. I don't want to say which one it is yet. Um, it was a Swedish band. And I was like, Abba. this, this is the greatest thing I have ever heard. In my entire life. <laughs> oh, where, I, I, I know the feeling. This? I know that feeling. This? It was unbelievable. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then from there it was rewinding and finding all of these things. Yeah. And then the only other thing I, I guess I'll add is Dave, you were teaching, you were subbing as a guitar teacher, I suppose in, for in the back half of the nineties. Yeah. Right. For, for a mutual friend. And then you were absorbing a lot of this stuff, handing it off to him who was handing it off to me. And we were like trading it around and like all of that combined kind of spit out the, type of metal that I like now. Like that's just where I am. So yeah. I I had like when I was going through this list, I was trying to you know, you're thinking of like where was I when I first heard this or what was my reaction to it when I first heard this. And for some of these I definitely had that. But for other ones I'm like, I don't exactly remember, which then made me think more about did I appreciate it in the 90s as much as I do now? Some of the albums I would say definitively yes. And other, I would say other albums, it was in the early 2000s. I was like, no, oh shit. Like that's, that's the fucking shit. Like that's an awesome record, you know? So I thought that was an interesting um, revelation doing this exercise for me. So let's get into it. Might as well get started. Let's Um, do it. So we're going to go through our list of the top 10 heavy metal albums from the 90s. Okay. Can't, can't stress that enough. Um, our favorites, me, which is all that matters. Come on. Yeah. In the grand scheme. Yep. Um, so the rules, there were not many rules, honestly. Uh, obviously, it had to be released between 1990 and 1999. And I think the only thing that maybe, like, could, I don't want to call say could cause controversy, but it had to be, con- we have to consider it like metal, like not hard rock where some people from like in the nineties would classify a certain band as being a metal band, even though like they're not, we all know they're not. So like bands like Slipknot and Tool and like Alice in Chains, they're not going to be on this list. Um, that's all I'll say on that. We're not, we're not including a couple of those that you might be looking for. Yeah. Uh, when you, when you hear them, you'll be like, oh, of course they go on this list. Um, well, slip slipknot could have been included, but they suck. So <laughs> that's why they're not on. <laughs> uh, what we else just, can we tell we you? just we just lost one listener. <laughs> Bye. <They're>, honestly, <laughs> Slipknot is one of like the most popular bands of like the past twenty five years. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the draw and interest that the band has. I don't get it, but whatever. Uh, um, let's not spend one more millisecond talking about that shit band. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. Uh, <laughs> so you could also nominate as many albums from the same band as you want. So there could be multiples on here. Um, and I don't care about the rest of the rules. So it doesn't matter. So let's go. Let's do um, it. 
You want to take 10, Chris? And then and now, number 10. So uh, our number 10 album is Arch Enemy's Burning Bridges, which came out in 1999. Um, I'd like to check our list really quickly, see where that ended up. That was... I don't know, relatively low for me and Dave, but Russ, you had this ranked the highest. Why don't you talk about why? Because it's fucking great. <laughs> that's going to be this, 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 the last 30 seconds. That's going to be for every album. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. But that is the main reason. I mean, yeah. this band is one of my favorites. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite melodic death metal bands. Uh, this would fall into the category of me. Well, I mean, this came out in 99, but they have a couple before this. Technically, I didn't learn about these types of bands until I met Dave. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, turned me on to all this kind of style of stuff. And by that time, there was a shit ton of good music that had been released. I mean, including Burning Bridges. This one is the one that always resonated with me. I don't know why. I, uh, it has one of my favorite songs of all time on it, Seed of Hate, which is probably why. But just top to bottom, I think it's fan- phenomenal. It has so many good songs. Like Michael Ahmad is one of the best riff writers in metal ever, in my opinion. So that's why I ranked this. It was uh, in my top 10. So thank God it made it. <laughs> The overall top 10 and we can made the overall. discuss it. Yeah. You know, I, one of the things I love and Russ, you were talking earlier about this. When we do lists like this, it, it makes you pause. It makes you go back in time and it makes you listen to stuff that you probably haven't listened to in a while. And when you're going through this list going like, okay, I got to, you know, which one's my favorite song? And you're like, oh shit, I forgot this song. It's amazing. Next song. <laughs> Wait. That's on this album. <laughs> like, like you like have all of these moments, and you're like, oh, it's really freaking hard to pick a song. Chris, I think I'm gonna overlap you as far as my favorite song on this album, which is Silverwing. Um, but I have like one B and one C and one D like on this album. Um, really, really um excellent. A side note about this band, though, of all the other bands that are listed in our top 10, looking at this at the band in the future as it still exists to this day. How many singers has this band had? Four? Three? There, I think three. There three that I can think of. If there okay. was one like at the very beginning, maybe, then that would take nah. four. I think the guy on this album was the first one, and then they had the two female ones after that. Okay, so three. So... Not exactly a revolving door at the singer position, but having different stand-ins, I guess, as this band has evolved over time. Yeah, I mean, look, this album was on it was on my list of the long list. So we each put out 20. So this was on all of our long lists, at least. Um I Dave had a similar, I guess, reaction to you, or it. The, the reaction that you described of like listening to putting this on and then hearing a song I'm like, oh, that's fucking rules. And the next song comes and you're like, oh my God, fuck, I forgot that was on here. And like right. the next, then three songs later, like, whoa, that is the greatest riff I've heard in my life. <laughs> right. Like, 
like this album, it's for some reason, it's just got, it. it's not like a high frequency play for me, but there will be like a week where I'll just put this on repeat. And yeah. I'll be like, this is the best. Every, like uh, Russ, like you said, every riff is like insane. The Seed of Hate riff is so, that main riff is so fucking sick. Um, the intro. That's so fucking good. Yeah. The intro <laughs> I love to, it. The intro to Silverwing reminds me of um, Punish My Heaven for some yes, reason. So it does. Time, it does. Right? At the time, I would not get them confused, but like I would hear one and think of the other, and that would just kind of make me want to go listen to both. Um, <clears throat> this, the, I guess the last thing I'll say about this is that it didn't rank super high for me. Fine. But it's also not a band that I have gone to listen to stuff from before or after. Like This is like a weird for me, like huh. just like... I don't know, uh, flare gun, like just go listen to this one. It just like shoots up, you listen to it. And like, I kind of forget or not that I forget. I just like, don't go check out their other stuff. Um, I don't think it rates nearly, nearly as good. Like this is the pinnacle, right? Like this is it. No, I mean, I, there's so many albums by this band I, that I really like. Really? A lot of the Angela, like wages of sin is up there for me too. Uh, so that's a two thousands one. So it, one thing I want to mention about, this is like, so I remember Dave introduced me to this band, uh, which I'll never forget because if you knew, I'm going to try to think of all the albums. He just gave me like a stack of like CDs, yay high, and maybe like five or six. It was Burning Bridges, Heartwork by Carcass, The Pagan Prosperity by Old Man's Child. It was like, I can't I remember. Oh, um. That sentenced album. Mm-hmm. So it was like some of the best like 90s fucking melodic death metal bands you've ever heard. And this was probably the one I listened to the most. I fucking love well, it. Well, a good segue because Chris, you you mentioned we have a mutual friend that we have two of us on the pod here that are guitar players, both Chris and me. And I had a period of 10 years where I taught. And early in that phase, I uh, one of my students, a friend of ours, of all of one here was outrageously talented. Like you could tell immediately this guy's going to be a legit player and had like the same type of musical tastes that I did and was, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to introduce <laughs> this kid. to some like, You're like licking so, your chops. To oh, totally. Yeah. Every, every week he would show up and I would bring five CDs and be like your 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 homework this week is to listen to these records, and then next week he'd come back with his eyes like this, like a ch- like like a, like a changed person. Like, give me more, right? You know, I didn't know people could play like this. <laughs> so it's funny. Yeah, I mean, like like that that goes to show you like what we were dealing with in terms of like mainstream hard rock music in the nineties. Like it was all grunge. Stuff that they play on K Rock on the radio, you know, and those songs were good and they're fun and they're catchy, but they are in no way related to what you were handing off to right Mike no. on the CDs. Like, because such a completely different universe. This the whole entire melodic death metal scene was just like, yeah, it was wild. Like I was listening to like Nothing Face. I just I remember one time I was like, oh Dave, listen to this band I like, Nothing Face, and he's like, eh. He's like, oh, here's Subterranean by In Flames. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> this is better than 
nothing face. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine. Take it away. <laughs> okay. Say it. Somebody say it. All right. Number nine. <laughs> Megadeth. Countdown to extinction. I got to say, I have vivid memories of this album. So uh, in in high school, um, my best friend, Mitch Metalhead, and I <laughs> spent many, many of times, whether it was in the library or whatever, like just like listening to stuff, like bringing in cassettes, bringing in stuff. Um, and then we played guitar after school all the time. This album came out. And it was a pivotal moment for me from what I was playing before that, you know, definitely Metallica, other stuff, general interests. We were interested in instrumental guitar players like Satriani and Vi. We had like our own thing going on. This came out and it was like, <laughs> I want to learn this album front to back. Like it was so good. And the evolution of what I wanted to learn. So the single of, of from, from the from the songs that I like when this album first came out to the songs that I love now, I have just slowly evolved. Like I, at at different points in time over the past however many years, if you asked me what my favorite song on this album was, it probably would have changed six or seven different times as I hone in on something and love that or what have you. This album was very influential for me from playing guitar and just still to this day a killer album so deserving of the top 10 in the 90s yeah man this obviously i think we all pretty much love these 10 albums i don't want to you know jump the gun or anything but nobody's going to be well that's not true I did jump the gun. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> coming soon. But stay tuned. For Countdown. That. Countdown is a, an amazing album. The one thing, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you guys. Don't don't you think it's a little weird that the cover of the album is like almost like a mimicry of the Unforgiven video? Like, do you remember the Unforgiven video with the old man? Yeah. And I then do. Very shortly after that, Countdown came out, and it's like this thing of a guy who looks like he's in a prison and he's an old dude. I'm like, isn't this like the Unforgiving video? Anyway, if anybody ever noticed that, shoot me a shoot us a message or something. But I just, I just thought that was funny. But the music, fantastic. This is some of Mustaine's most ridiculous vocal performances. Which, come on, it's Megadeth. It just adds to the. To the to the greatness of the of the music, uh, I was listening to this early. I was like, "Ashes in your mouth," yeah. Like this one part where he's like, "If you're fighting to live, it's okay to die." <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> "But I love the song, so who gives a shit?" And speaking and then, of uh, which, that was actually my number one, my top, my your top pick, song. My pit, my pick is "Ashes in Your Mouth." Yeah. yeah, that's that's one of the top the top songs on that album uh psychotron i had it's maybe not a mutant maybe a man 
I love it. I love it. And you know what I noticed, guys? Did he redo the vocals on this album as well? Because I don't remember these vocal harmonies on the chorus to Symphony of Destruction. Yeah. They're the ones that are on Spotify are all remastered yeah. to within an inch of their life. Like they are, <laughs> they're like, I think they're really bad versions. And I think when we did our uh, friendship list <laughs> of all the top so- <laughs> Megadeth songs, mm-hmm. we had this discussion of like, why do they sound so weird? Oh, what happened? Did I, yeah. am I misremembering them? And no, they did a, a, a remaster or something several years ago. And like the intro to Sweating Bullets is like 15 minutes fucking long. Or whatever. <laughs> but it started like that is not a song that needed to be any longer. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. There's there's definitely some. Sh- um, I was not aware. Way. I was not aware that he did that. with. I know he did that whole thing where he re-recorded vocals for Rest in Peace. But I didn't know that I was like listening to him. Like, I don't remember this. I mean, it's been a few years, but it didn't sound bad. My favorite song I put as Countdown, the title track. Yeah, that song fucking rules. I mean, this, I, I again, I don't have too much to add to what you guys said. This album is great. Uh, I mean, as much of a lunatic as Dave Mustaine seems to be, like, he wrote all these fucking songs. Like, he's so good at writing riffs. Like, yeah. some of the best guitar riffs. Um, there, but like that, is in the plus column and then you've got his very crappy singing and like <laughs> silly lyrics but you're right russ it makes it so <laughs> much its own thing that it's like undeniably good even though it's like weird um ashes in your mouth dave like you said like the guitar playing on that song is outrageously good um some like some really really catchy riffs and solos uh the song that i had as my favorite was this was my life which is really um, really straightforward, honestly, compared to some of the other songs on here. But there's just something about that main sort of verse guitar riff that I love playing. It's I, one that I always go back and like warm up to play with. I, like I, I love it, it. Even recently, literally, every time I pick up the acoustic and I'm just noodling around, I'm playing that riff. Yeah. It, like without a doubt, I'm, yeah. I'm playing that verse riff. Well, congrats to Dave Mustaine for making number nine on our list. <laughs> And no one else in Megan. Congratulations. <laughs> Number eight. Um, I'll, I'll introduce this one. <laughs> so coming in at number eight, potentially controversially to the listeners, <laughs> is Metallica's Black Album from 1991. I mean, where should we begin? Do we need to explain why it's at number eight? Because I had it at number... I had a number five. Dave, you had it at your number eight. I had eight. it at eight. And then... Russ had it at 145, I think. <laughs> Mine was not, a, not even in existence on you had, any, li- you had any list. Slipknot self-titled debut. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't go that far. Come on, don't get crazy. <laughs> God. Right, I'd rather listen to this on repeat. Let's start with the, let's start with the hate. Start with the yeah, hate. Because there's not going to be a lot of hate in this list. So let's, no, let's no. dig in. Yeah. I mean, we've, I don't, we've never... I don't think we've ever delved into what I actually thought about this album at any point that I've known you guys. I think you just assumed I liked every Metallica album. No. <laughs> no, that's no, no, no. We are aware of this. All right. 
Because I know like there's like a few, well, obviously you, I think everybody else is like in love with this album, which I don't get. I mean, to right, me, can I, can I just say this really quick? And, there's and then four you, albums by this band. T- <laughs> I had a perception with you in this album. And then just tell me I'm wrong. Is that there are at least two, maybe three songs on this album that you despise so much that you discard the album because of it. I don't think that's true. I think okay. it's more the fact that I like so few songs on the album. It's not that I despise the ones that I don't like the most that badly. I, I only <laughs> like, I think I only like about <laughs> two to three songs on the album. So that's why. And that's that's coming from somebody who grew up with the first four Metallica albums. Yes. Right? Like, that was part of your coming up, get, developing a taste in music, being like, this band is capable of such high highs. Yes. And then when they ch- basically changed their sound, <laughs> their approach to songwriting, right? Their, their approach to production, their pretty clear desire to be in the mainstream, right? They had some success with Justice for All with one. And they're like, oh, they got a little taste. And they were playing shows to hundreds of thousands of people. And then they were like, let's take it to the next level. And I think that's where they lost you, right? Like when they just changed the style. Yeah. I mean, I was used to listening, like daily listening to Master of Puppets. You know, I'm listening to Disposable Heroes every day. I'm listening to like Dyer's Eve. (laughs) And then... That this is the first album that came out by this band after I had started liking them. So I think it was a kind of like a shock to the system. It was like I had been running a marathon and I jumped in a pool full of ice water. I was like, what? So so, so that means you discovered the band in like 89. Yeah. And you I think went crazy for three Pretty years sure ago. by so, the time I started listening to them, uh, yeah. Justice was already out. Okay. So. 88. Yeah. So by that time, you know, I was like deep, deep. I was like, dot. I was like every five seconds, every day I was listening to Metallica constantly. And that, you know, you know how much heavier those albums are. So when this yeah. came out, I liked Enter Sandman, which I'm pretty sure was the first single. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, you know, yeah. So that's a story about why. Did you know the first single they were, they, that the, that they wanted to the release? Band was holier, holier than now. Uh, they were going to lead with that as the, as the single. That's too bad they didn't do that. Maybe I would, maybe I would change my mind. <laughs> one, one song you like. Uh, no, I like two. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, People will point to like, oh, well, Fate the Blacks, you know, it, it's soft or it's slow or whatever. I'm like, there's no comparison between Fade the Black and like nothing else matters. I mean, <laughs> it's not the same. Yeah, one is a love song and one yeah. is a suicide song. <laughs> I always remember my my friend. Yeah, they're a little different. My friend, my friend was like, he pictured the video of that coming out and it being like Lars and like Kirk like walking on the beach hand in hand during. <laughs> During the video, <laughs> romantic. Uh, in, instead of being ended up being a studio video, but those are the yeah, worst not, videos, aren't they? I hate those. Yeah, they're they're like we're not going to try. We're just going to shoot in a 
But you got to see James playing a solo. <laughs> For once. Yeah. Dave, Dave, what what are your let's 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 bring some positivity back here. What why how did this get to number eight? Why is it so beloved? <laughs> why is it properly rated at number eight? Um yeah, it lined up perfectly on your list. Explain why. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um so I, I my first my first I feel like I have to respond directly to like what Russ was saying, right? There, yeah, there is there is not a song on here, including nothing else matters, that was offensive to me as far as like this is utter trash. Now, there is definitely perhaps more highs and lows on this album compared with some others or compared to Metallica album um, albums past. But this also came out at the height of me going all in into metal. It came out in the height of wanting to validate metal in a way. And this was reaching this broader audience. I'm able to like talk to friends at school that are not listening to some bands that would be naming future, you know, further along in this list, but could talk about Metallica and I'm going and I'm seeing them live on this tour and just, all of that wrapped in was such an emotional high for me. Um, and this, you know, picking like favorite songs from the album, I'm definitely going to be a bit more obscure than the traditional ones, which is um, of Wolf and Man. It's probably, it might be my favorite. Uh, my Friend of Misery and Through the Never round up kind of the songs that I gravitate to the most. But of course, I, love inner sandman we play it we've played it in numerous bands in the past and you guys are playing it now and um <laughs> so i don't know i just it, it 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 this album is like the banner of a moment in my life where i was listening to in music and i just i'm 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 not as repulsed by <laughs> some of the slower songs on this album that russ was but russ i do respect what you're saying in regards to like if you are listening to Master of Puppets on repeat for five years and then introduced to this, which you know is perhaps a bit jarring. So anyway. I'll, Chris, I'll, I don't know. What do you got? Yeah, I'll do my I'll do my Metallica spiel. So as I mentioned, I was like becoming aware of music in like the mid nineties before that it was like whatever cassette tapes my parents had. I was like, yeah, this is my favorite. <laughs> like I had you, no, no concept. You went, you went from the wiggles to Metallica. <laughs> my parents loved listening to the wiggles. <laughs> so I listened to a lot of that. That's right. Um, so when I started to li listen to K rock and stuff, Russ, the same way that like the black album was the first Metallica album that was released when you became aware of them. Load was the first new, new album. Load yeah. was my first Metallica album. So I was oh, like, I'm sorry, yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> oh. But what was happening in 1996 was Load came out. They were playing the singles from that. And then they would also be playing Sad But True and Enter Sandman pretty much exclusively. I guess with um, Nothing Else Matters on the radio. And at the time, I had no other concept or idea of like music, heavy music, and just like this is the this is great, and to me this is amazing. So, yeah, yeah, I get that. You know, like 
to hear the black, I was like, oh my God, this is even better than load. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that we can agree on. Dude. <laughs> there you go. So, so, I mean, I love this as much as anybody else does. This album, this album is great. It was number five on my list. Um, the song I had is my favorite. I think is sad, but true. Sometimes it, it moves around. Um, I don't know if I had the guts to put like through the never or, um, holier than now as like a as like a favorite track um but this this is like an unimpeachable greatest album of all time i <laughs> think that, so this is metallica's walk it's well, terrible true <laughs> i like it <laughs> the only other thing i'll say about metallica is that in that span of time when like load came out I was aware of it. I was listening to that a lot and Black Album, whatever's on the radio. Occasionally they would play one, I guess. Um, a buddy of mine went on vacation with his family and came back and was like, hey, while I was on vacation, I got all these albums. They were super cheap. I think he went to like Poland or something. They were super, super cheap. And he came back <laughs> and we sat in my living room and he's like, Try, check this out. And he put on Master of Puppets. And at the time, my parents had this big 1990s stereo system with these huge speakers. And it was after, I think it was after school one day, put it on. I had the volume way up and like the acoustic intro to battery plays. I was like, cool, that's cool. And then like the heavy part of that intro was blaring in the house. It was like, again, another moment of like my hair was blown back <laughs> off of my head. I was like thrown up against yeah. the wall. Like this is it. Like this is a turning, this is a musical turning point moment with Metallica. Yeah. So I was like, oh no, load is not as good as this. <laughs> not, <laughs> uh, not a, you didn't like the video when he was rubbing feces all over himself. <laughs> Which one is that? that? Remember the first single from load? It's until it sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I got an email. Sorry, we, we hadn't said the word feces yet, so I had to fucking drop one. Sorry. <laughs> well, today I got an email from the Metallica fan club that was like, we're doing remasters of load and reload. And there was this blood and semen in my email inbox. So I was like, great. Yeah. Hey, it's the cover. Art. Want that? It's the cover art guys. Um, okay. Enough about that. Let's move on to holier number... than that. Holier than that is my, the one I'm going to pick by the way. Holy it's a good song. It's, a, it's one of the few I like. It's my fave. Um, okay. Let's go to 10. Nine, eight, number seven. Oh boy, we got to start picking up the pace. <laughs> we got to go. We got to get going. Um, I will say who I will say number seven here is Pantera's "Vulgar Display of Power" from 1992. Um, this again goes into the amalgam of me just like hearing stuff through my friends. I guess Dave, whatever filtered down through you to me <laughs> via. Mike, basically, um, you know, knowing about Cowboys from Hell and Cemetery Gates and then hearing this, obviously this, this album has Walk on it, which is like the, not only Pantera album, but like one of the heavy metal anthems for, for better or worse. Um, like everyone knows that song, I guess, thanks to maybe ECW <laughs> for keeping score. Um, they played at arenas too, at like sporting events. Right. Um, uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but we're starting to get into territory where like more than 50% of these albums contain them. I had some quote unquote stone cold classics. Uh, yes. This one has, I think it went six for 11. I think there are six like classic fucking metal songs on this album. Um, my favorite, I think is a new level, but 
like most of these albums, my favorite kind of changes depending on my mood when I listen to it. But um, I, uh, I, I fucking, I can't say enough about how good this, this album is. Like Pantera changed their sound for Cowboys from Hell when they came out in the 90, I think. They were like a hair metal band. They became super groove focused, riff focused, a lot heavier, a lot more aggressive vocally. Um, and then Vulgar Display of Power, it feels like they figured it out and they tightened everything up. They were heavy, but it was still catchy. It wasn't hard and abrasive to listen to like later albums from them, like Great Southern Trend Kill or parts of Far Beyond Driven. Um, there are ballads on here that are fucking sick, and they also have super heavy parts that are great. There are straightforward, insane songs, like high-energy songs, like fucking Hostile. Like, this album fucking rules. So that's that's um, what I think about that's what I think about this album. What about you guys? What are your, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah. Uh, a note on this band. Okay. So I, I don't this is a band where I am I am very aware and influenced by very specific and incredible songs, but for whatever reason. I would get pulled into those songs. I would listen to them. I would love them. But it would, I, I, I didn't go the next step of like, well, let me go listen to the rest of the album. Or if, or I did, and something about the back half of the album turned me off that I would immediately flip back to something else I was listening to. So like just over time, I've kind of calcified my reaction to this band of knowing how incredible a certain segment of songs were and the rest of of the of, of the album of their songs was perhaps a bit more forgettable for me, right? And that's a very generic and like broad statement, or like a of the band. So for this particular album, as I was going back and listening to this, probably for the first time again in I don't know over a decade, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I, I I kind of start echoing like, holy crap, all of these amazing songs, which are songs which I have liked and would listen to now, are all on this one album. Um, uh, A New Level is my favorite song, but just for the sake of being different, um, just the pure riffs and regular people yes! is so good. That's, that's the close second for me because that main riff is just... It's so oh good. Yeah. 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 Russ, what do you got? So that like when I originally put out this as like a potential subject that we could talk about on here, there's like three three albums that immediately popped in my brain. Two of them are number one and two. <laughs> this is the third one. Really? This is the one I was mm. like, this is going to make the list. There's no fucking way it's not making the list. So obviously I'm a huge fan. This this is the first Pantera album that I bought new when it first, very first came out. And I, we, I, we, my friend and I were like running to the store to buy this because <laughs> we love Cowboys from Hell. And like, I mean, Mouth for War still to, to this day, I'm like, it's like a head-banging, like, fiesta for me. I'm like, <laughs> it's amazing. And then, come on, a new level, fucking hostile, no good, attack the radical, super underrated, 
in my opinion, regular people. But my favorite's Hollow. Yeah. I, such a amazing, powerful, heavy fucking ballad. And I love the fact that a lot of these songs, they start out like they're still heavy, but then in the in like the second half of the song, they get heavier and heavier <laughs> and heavier. I love that about these songs. It's, it's such an amazing album. I mean, fantastic. I agree. I, I will. I will note that I, I on my list, I had this much lower than you guys. I technically had Cowboys from Hell higher on my list, but I think really going back and prepping for this. I may have been wrong. <laughs> this album is really good. Yeah. There's something about Cowboys from Hell where, like, kind of, Dave, you mentioned the back half of the album. Like, once I hit Cemetery yeah. Gate, no, once I hit Domination on Cowboys from Hell, like, I stopped listening. That album is six songs long for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I yeah. just cannot get into the, the end of that album. And I know that's not a popular opinion, I guess, but um, this is nonstop killers, like, the entire time. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it, just the the totality of it, it makes it that it ha- it cannot be ignored. It's fucking right. If, and it's it's so like Dimebag's, you know, the way he plays guitar is so like brutally heavy. And, and the and the rhythm section is, I mean, everything about it. it. This is the reason why it's popular. It's fucking, it's brutal. It's heavy. Yeah. Is it also like maybe among the most '90s things on here? And there's another band coming up that I think is also like super '90s. Mm. Like I don't classify some of the albums mentally yeah. as being like that's a '90s record. Like this feels like the '90s in America, I guess maybe to some degree. Yeah. Well. Oh. So have we? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I, yeah, I agree too. That's a that's a, a good call out. Great. It just it just an ama- there's such an amazing time because in America this was popular when this came out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you imagine now? Oh my and god! What is this fucking hairstyle? This <laughs> walk has two hundred thirty-six million plays. Dreamshade has like fifteen thousand plays. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame! Ugh. I love the Danish metal. Fuck. Before we move on from Pantera, I will say there is there is one video on YouTube of a show in Russia that Pantera is playing. That I think literally a billion people are at. Like it is like, <laughs> like from, no regulations. From, from, like the camera pans out. It is to the horizon. There are people. It's that's like insane. That's like Rock and Rio. Ever see those crowds? No. It's like yeah. It's like to the like. There's probably like six security guards, and there's like <laughs> two hundred and fifty thousand people there. You're like, holy! I can't imagine. That's unreal. Yeah, it's wild. All right, let's move to number six. Six, number six. All right, number six. six. In flames, the jester race. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In so, flames, baby. This is the this is the first um, appearance appearance of in flames on our top ten list. So I I I want to tell a little story here, guys. Just mm. back and relax. So cozy. Um, Let's do it. 
I made love to Jasper. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I the moment that I really became aware of this metal movement coming from Gothenburg, Sweden, Europe, whatever, was really driven from by Mitch Metalhead, a frequent guest on this podcast. Not by Jesus. Um, who um, puts a lot of effort in exploring the uh, the cutting edge of metal, which sometimes brings him to some dangerous places. But this time, <laughs> some <laughs> shitty, <laughs> shitty places. So, so, <laughs> brings him to the fecal edge of music. <laughs> Fecal edge of the fecal buttering edge. bread. <laughs> we love you, Mitch. I, 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 we love Mitch. you, Mitch. But for but for for every five hundred buttering <laughs> buttering bread butter bu- buttering bread bands he finds he finds influence, <laughs> which which Russ had told me that Mitch had given him like cassettes <laughs> of stuff, and he's oh, like. Dude. And, and and it was and, dozen, and, dozens dozens of dozens and Russ <laughs> and Russ goes. I will listen to every minute of this, because in these dozens of albums <laughs> filled with absolute garbage, I will discover <laughs> a band that you will love for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, right, so that, that's the price you pay. But anyway, so worth it. Gesture um, Race um, was not the first album that I was like, holy shit. Like I was like, this was it. This is what I'm doing. Right. It, like subterranean was first. And I kind of spaced out for a record or two, you know? And then as I've gone back and listened to it, as I've like really took, gone to appreciate what is on these albums, like it's fucking incredible. I, I actually, when I was going through this entire, like all of our top 10, and Incredible. I was going, and I was like saying, I'm like, how funny would it be if we re-ranked this list based upon each album's worst song? Oh, <laughs> like what would what Next would the new, what would the new the, what would the new list be? That's right? interesting. And some beep boop boops to do that though. <laughs> the one thing that Inflames does, while they certainly maybe have some clunkers, they're not like the worst song in this album is not horrible. Like there's just it's enjoyable front to back for the most part. Um, and for the sake of being totally ridiculous, I'm calling out the acoustic medley. Oh, nice. <laughs> Bonus. As track. your favorite? Favorite? I, just just because I know you guys would name the other top ones. So we're about. allowed to we're allowed to use the EP that they shoveled into the rest of the jester race. I get confused by all of Which that. I don't even know you, what they're doing. It was the jester, well, the jester-shaped disc on like the re-release. Uh, I have oh. that. I have that too. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, baby. I can have that too. So if we're doing that, if you guys remember, we we did a top ten in Flames song list a couple years ago, almost. Not, not can that, you believe it? Twenty nineteen, dude. No. Oh, end of twenty nineteen. That's right. That's right. It was the first one we did, That's and right. my number one song was Goliath's Disarm Their Davids. That's my favorite Inflame song. So, but I, 
I have to tell you, just so you know how much I love this album, in my top five were both that song and the Jester Race. Yeah, the Jester Race. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. This this album is unbelievable. It's fucking great. Like just re-listening to it in the last couple of days, I'm like, there yeah, like there is no there is no turd. There is no (laughs) there is no nothing else matters on this album. I I feel like I mean I'm 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 glad we finally got to In Flames because their 90s their output in the 1990s was what I learned to play guitar on like just having yeah. that Oh, you in, lucky bastard. Yeah, like in my awareness and just being able to sit down I'm like, "Well, I'm tuning this Fender down to C because I got <laughs> I just got to play along." Um it, it this is it's it's not it's not my favorite Jester. Uh, it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite In Flames album. I had this. Yeah. I still had this ranked at eight for fuck's sake. But it's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. um, right. That's how fucking good this band is. Yeah. I, like you say, there are no clunkers on this. The first four songs. Uh, let's see how many Stone Cold classics. There were five total. I see one, two, three, four, what? five. Bang. Maybe, According to you, dude. Maybe six. Yeah. That's uh, the Stone Cold Steve Austin classics are only mine. Um, yes, yes, sir. But the balls on this band to have a fucking instrumental as their second track and be have it be like maybe the best song on the album. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who the fuck do you think you are? It's so good. Yeah. Bast- sons of bitches. Oh, uh, thank thank you to the country of Sweden for melodic death metal. <laughs> I assume it was them entirely. And Chris, I could see your your number one song is one of the best ones. So. Yeah, I think fucking my great song. I think my Shit. favorite song is Artifacts of the Black Rain. It's, oh, it's perfect. so good. Yeah, it's it's short. It's super short and not. I know we've established me in the long song thing, but like I'm actually surprised to see that it's only a little over three minutes. Um, but there's not a oh. wasted second in that song. You love that, though. You love the short stuff. I, mm. <laughs> Fantastic song. So good. That. I love, I fucking love that song, and it's my like third favorite song on this whole thing. That, that's why this album is amazing. If you haven't heard it, please, please go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to something that could not be more different. From, <laughs> it's from metal, though. In flames, adjustments. Other than it is metal and has distorted guitars and kick double kick double bass drum. Um, Very distorted. We'll go to number five. We're in the top five all, all of a sudden. Number five. Such a yeah. Good, such a Only good another two more hours, guys. Uh, hang in there. Come on. <laughs> hang in there. Listen to us. Bullshit. We love this music. Let's go. Uh, coming at number five is Fear Factory Demanufacture from 1995. Come on, Dave. Jizz all over this one. So good. <laughs> Dave, you had this at your uh, number five, but d- let's just use your list, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Yeah, it's funny how it came out. This is his list. Bullshit. <laughs> hey, what are you doing over there, Dave? Are you? Uh, it, it, it seems a little me, sketchy over you, there. You, you, you trusted me with the calculation. Uh, <laughs> I'm good at calculation. Um, all right. I mean, all right. So this came, album came out when I was in high school, but I, for me, it was my freshman year in college. I think everyone on my dorm floor knew this <laughs> awesome. knew, th- knew this album. Yes, because it was on repeat uh, 
front to back. I, you know, Russ, on the last episode, I kind of, I was trying to like profile what you like about music, which is like energy and power and just whatever. I this was thinking album, the same thing, but I was re-listening to this. I, like this album is all of that to me. There is, there is something, there is something melodic about it. I love like, so the vocals go from pure death metal screamy type stuff. And then there is some sing-songy stuff. Not that he's like an amazing singer or anything, but there is a melodic overtone, undertone of the vocals that matches keys that are in the background and the guitar that feels like you can sing along, even though you're really kind of not. Um, yeah. I think I listened to the song Hunter Killer about a, a million times. <laughs> like... That right, in, I, I, yes, my, <laughs> my, uh, my iTunes or Spotify records the listen because I finished the song, but, um, it would go Hunter Killer into Piss Christ and I would like start it over again and I would like listen to those two songs again. But, it, you know, plus this is in Mortal Kombat, right? I don't know. So let me, let me ask you guys because I'm not the guitar player and you guys are. The, the very low-end sound of this band, does it come from just them down-tuning or were they playing extra string guitars or what is it? Uh, I don't know if he was using like a seven-string in 1995. Yeah, that's why I'm asked because it's so just long ago. I'm whenever. thinking he, they weren't doing that. It's, it's possible, but I feel like that would have been way ahead of the curve. He probably just tuned the guitar down to like B. Yeah. Like what, Dave? Do you know what tuning this is? I assume it's. I don't. That became, C yeah. or B, probably. So it's down to one, two, two and a half steps potentially. Two steps, probably using higher gauge strings. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. What is interesting about this is that we went from a band that plays really, really complicated melodies and lays over a bunch of different like harmonic things to a band that plays two notes over and over and over, and it they couldn't do anything more perfectly than just go just over and over it's like playing e to f that's it one Synch, thing synced with the double bass though every time. so seven string seven string he did have oh here yeah. we go there you go yeah they were the pioneers yeah. man everything's gonna be yeah dino he's ahead of it um i i i will jump in and just say this was number six on my list this is extremely 90s. This also feels to me, it goes next to Pantera in like, this is 1990s heavy metal um, on the sort of more heavier extreme side. All the American bands are just 90s sounding to you? No. I guess. <laughs> Although like, <laughs> like yeah, uh, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Um, so I agree that it's, it's there are melodic parts. He's, the singer, Burton, he's not like, He's not a good singer, and his screams are not. I wouldn't classify them as like screams. They're more like barks. Like he's like shouting. Yeah, he's kind of like he's like grunting, shouting yeah. type of singing. It's extremely yeah. unique, which I appreciate. Um, it's also got this industrial thing, which I think pulls it into that '90s moment a lot yep. more. In that, there's a lot of post production, a lot of sound effects. Um, but they were one of the first ones to pull that to do that and become like a popular band. So. You got to give him credit for there. I certainly do. I mean, I, it gives it a, a super unique sound for that moment in time. Again, I'm discovering this probably seven years after the fact, but whatever. Um, yeah. The one story I heard about this that might be apocryphal is 
that they recorded the album. They thought it was really good, but then Burton took the, took all the songs back and then did the strings over them. And they were like, Oh no, that's it. Uh. And the songs were not written with the, the synth stringy parts. Uh. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but I did hear that in learning about this band to literally 20 years ago. All right, not man, not much, not too much to add to you guys. I mean, this is, this is a. If I was gonna say vulgar display was definitely making the list, just knowing who I'm dealing with here, <laughs> I knew Danny Manufacturer would. <laughs> I was shocked it wasn't someone's number one, to be honest. When we're only dealing with '90s albums, but I mean, this is the ult. This is almost like the ultimate. 90s creation like you said the sound mm-hmm. had not existed prior to this and i mean it's like the seven string guitar it's it's like unbelievably heavy because they they do that thing where they sync up the basically the riff with like the double incredibly loud double bass yeah. and on like every song so it's like makes it like heavier and heavier as you go yeah i mean it's just a, my favorite self-biased resistor that's yeah. always been like my favorite song on that it's just it has kind of that it has part of those uh kind of clean vocals in there so yeah I, I it's think, a great album great I, album i think my favorite is probably piss christ mostly because of the outro but also it has the <laughs> intro that uses the sound effect from Ter- terminator 2 yeah like t2 which is fucking sick sounding yeah um, yeah, yeah. This could have been the soundtrack to T2. <laughs> Actually, that oh, reminds album. me. That was just about to say something. I, I forgot. Uh, this Fear Factory and like their whole vibe feels to me like what the Matrix, like what the robots in the Matrix would listen to. They would listen to Demanufacture. <laughs> <laughs> They're metalheads. <laughs> right. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is their favorite album. Yes. So good for you, Fear Factory. Good job. All right. Congratulations on making making enemies list. Band is I don't think the band exists anymore. Uh, number four. <laughs> but you're gonna say number in sexy radio voice. Number four. Oh. <laughs> uh, in flames makes a second appearance on our top ten list with colony. Russ, you take it away. Colony. One of my favorite albums. Yeah. This is... You guys were describing, you know, like, when you're in your... Because, you know, this is all... Even though Chris was six years old, this is all kind of our formative years, even if you learned about it seven years later. I honestly learned about all of the European bands seven years later. Like, I didn't know... Like, it was minimum 2000 to 2001 that I learned about all of the melodic death metal bands. So all these albums have kind of already been out. This is the first. So we're talking about like, you know, you you hear a band, you like them. Then the next one comes out and you're like anticipating it. This is that album for me. When it, I remember this coming out and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> it's as good as, as the past album. And I think I went to see them five times on the tour when they played in the U.S. One of them was in a a 
roller rink <laughs> in Jersey. And, and then to, make it even, to make it even more ridiculous, Dillinger Escape Plan opened for them. Oh, and my God. people in the crowd were going, get off the stage! Because they like in flames. <laughs> good, really good, intricate riffing kind of music. And Dillinger Escape Plan was like, you know, shatting all over the stage and people were like, get the fuck out. So anyway. Good for yeah, them. I, in, my, in my feeble mind at that time, I was like, this is the only time the Swedish band will ever visit the US. <laughs> I have to see them at every venue. <laughs> so I saw them at CBGB. I saw them at this roller rink. I saw, I, I don't even remember all the places I saw them, but. Obsessions? Yes. They yep. opened for Amana Marth. And obsessions, <laughs> another tiny venue, but this we you know we're talking about 1999 or 2000, so this is uh when they were not popular, they were not headlining for one of the main bands at Ozfest at that point. They were still just trying to get their name out there. I mean, I the title track of this album is my favorite, uh, but yeah, I mean so it, it has. It has infinite, infinite songs that are amazing. Infinity and Stone Cold Classics? Yes. <laughs> Take that 7 Seven Eleven and get a Slurpee and shove it up your ass. Chris. It's more than seven. <laughs> it's more Stone Cold Steve Weisers. I can't, I can't come one. back from that. Jeez. Uh, I love this album. I mean, this, this, because we, we, I know... At some point, all of us have kind of like a nostalgic reaction to certain albums, some more than others. But if I had one, this would probably be the one. Because, yeah, I was like, dude, I was going fucking bonkers in the clubs, like headbanging till my head almost fell off when they would play all the songs off this album when I went to see them. It was fucking great. I love it. I, I, honestly, I don't have much to add other than I, I love your number one pick, but for the sake of being different, um, I'm going Zombie Inc. Um, fucking incredible. <laughs> that guitar interlude part, second to none. That, like It uh, might be the, the best like 50 seconds of music I've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did this not get higher in the list. <laughs> <laughs> The, oh man, uh, uh, yeah, same. Uh, like again, same. This is the, this band is so important. <laughs> in Flames is so in Flames in the '90s is so important. Um, we will not talk about In Flames past two thousand. I don't know how you feel about Clayman. I don't know. Uh, but this the uh, Colony is great. The title track is perfect. My favorite song on this album is Coerced Coexistence. Every time I hear that intro, I stop. I have to stop what I'm doing and just like hear out the rest of the song. It's so, it's so, it just grabs me every single time. And there are so many songs like that on this record. Um, I guess I was kind of saving a little bit of In Flames energy for our number three album. Yep. Because coming in at number three is a band you may have heard of <laughs> called In Flames. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With... The one that you're probably waiting for us to talk about, maybe, where is it, right? Is yeah, Oracle. 
from 1997. I mean, it's outrageously good. Like, th- like what I mentioned earlier, when I, I said like I was subterranean and kind of spaced out <laughs> like for a little bit, for whatever reason, I wasn't, listen, we're not like being, I'm not going to Sam Goody and finding the, you know, the latest in flames hard album to find, on their top. Hard to find there. So Coconuts. you kind of, you kind of miss some of these releases. If Mitch Metalhead isn't doing his job, making sure I'm aware <laughs> of them, but Horacle was like smack in my face. And that's what it like j- jolted me back to life. <laughs> like to pay, paying attention to this band, this album is fucking unbelievably good, right? Opening up with the song with the, one of the dumbest lyrics in the world of episode 666, which is what was like, kind of like if they had singles for this type of shit, like that's kind of what, you know, the first song you really like heard, you listen to on repeat for a while. And you're like, well, let me actually listen to the rest of this album. And you go like talking about no stinkers. Like this, it's, it is unbelievable. So good. I love how they can do um, instrumentals that are equally as powerful as songs that are not uh, dialogue with the stars. I mean, it's just so, so, so good. I mean, what else can you say? Are there three instrumental tracks on this album? I mean, not shocked. There are definitely two. (laughs) Just the two. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Sorry. I, for some reason, I thought there were three. I was like, who gets away with that? Uh, yeah, Dave, come on. This is it. When I mentioned is before, it? sitting outside a uh, guitar class or whatever at school, they put on episode 666 and they play the whole song. And I said, you have to play that whole thing again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, huge that credit to the oh junior, the juniors at my high school for, uh, for introducing me. I didn't know you could do this, I guess, is like the is, is yeah. kind of my whole experience with melodic death metal in flames in particular, when this, these are the heaviest vocals I had ever heard. Cause this was, this is just straight screaming all the way through, which in a way shielded me from how bad the lyrics are because yeah. the lyrics are not good. In flames is not a lyric band. Lyric no, band. they're horrible. Yeah. Um, but it fits with like sort of juxtaposing how how uh, grim just say grim the 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 vocals are with this super intricate multi-layered harmony guitar harmonies chords underneath shifting things around changing gears mid-song and and flipping it back to the beginning um the the break in episode 666 where there's like the tapping solo it just came out of nowhere i'd never really heard anything like that before I know Van Halen did something, whatever, who cares? But like this to me was it. Um, my favorite song, I have to say, is episode 666 because it mm-hmm. was the first song for, for me and, and in flames. And like that, that matters. <laughs> this is really important. But you've got, you know, Food for the Gods and Morphe yes! Primal are just like two of the yeah. fucking heaviest riffs oh. of all time. <laughs> and then as boring quote unquote like i don't say boring simple horacle is it's just like a really actually nice way to kind of close out that album as it fades out there's a lady singing there's heavy drums it's just it just works um this was 
spoiler alert, this was my number one album from the 90s. This was on nice. this was number one on my list. I good, love good job, this. Buddy. Good I job, love, buddy. Thank you. So my number one song is also episode six six six. This one is the only one I ever heard and was loving before I met Dave. <laughs> I heard it on WSOU. And it was probably during one of their like niche shows too. Like some girl used to play like super obscure shit. But then they started it started putting in a rotation. I was like, this is what is this? Who's in flames? Who's in flames? fuck is this? Mm. And then Dave's like, here's Subterranean. The band is in flames. I'm like, in flames! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that that riff, I mean, you know. I mean, it's one of, it's one of the best songs I've ever heard. I mean, honestly. And then like, you're, yeah. you're, you're calling out the other songs, Food for the Gods. Oh, uh, so good. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, you could just go down the line. I mean, morphing into Primal, like all of these songs are fantastic. Gyroscope. Oh yeah, I mean, which they the kind of they they love reusing songs from prior <laughs> incarnations, but who cares? One of the few six eight metal jams of all time. <laughs> the greatest three <laughs> three four metal jams. Um, all right, we're cl- we're closing in, guys. Yeah, let's get there. Yeah, let's get there. So we'll stay right. in Sweden. We like in flames, guys. Yeah, congrats Can't to tell. Inflames. Great Num- showing. Number two. Number two. Now, th- this album released barely made the 90s in 1999 is the album Human Clay by Creed. <laughs> Russ, oh. <what> you- <laughs> Listen, it's awesome, guys. So if you don't, sorry you don't like it. If you're an Inflames fan and you didn't like Creed, go fuck yourself. We loved it. Dave, I will tell you, uh, that was unscripted, and both Russ and I had this look of panic when you said 1999, because we're like, which one? Wait, did, did I get the wrong list? Wait, which list is he looking at? Like, we already did 99. Which one is that? He named this album. I was like, what is it? He's like, by Creed. But <laughs> you're reacting more to human clay. Good grief. That was better than when you, you named Boss Baby as one of the most anticipated movies of 2021. <laughs> sorry, Boss Baby. All right, Chris, I'm sorry. Back to you. You on the There are only so many albums left for our top two. So you should know that, like, you should be aware of what's next. Number two is At the Gates, Slaughter of the Soul from 1995. Take it away. Please be a fan of this, guys. Please, please. I I will just say this. I'm I, I'm going to start and I, and rest. I think you can elaborate a lot more than I can. I've took a lot of notes on this one. No, please. But I, I I will just say this: that there are there are song lyrics and song moments that I superimposed into my external everyday life. Right, <laughs> like the soundtrack to your day. The soundtrack to like, I don't know, you're in a particular thing. I know what you're going to say. Right. I, like whenever I take a shit, I listen. Fucking I think about how to get. Go. 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 
hype up song for when he like a huge shit. Gow! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, perhaps I've never used that soundtrack during that moment of my day, but. <laughs> oh, sorry. That wasn't it. <laughs> um, you know, I have a hard time. I, the first two songs of this album are so outrageously good that when I finish Slaughter the Soul, I'm like, go back to Blinded by Fear. And I listen to those two songs on repeat. And I realize I don't get much further in the album because of it. But obviously you go back and this album is outrageously good. Fucking terrific. Russ, you can elaborate a lot more than I can. Over to you. Well, this is, a, yeah, this is one of these albums that to me has no turds. It has, it's 100% certified, amazing metal for to me. And as you said, I, one of my notes was the two, the two first songs are the ones like, that's the ones we, we, we literally almost every time we're together, we quote one of these two songs, (laughs) either the gal or (laughs) the face of all your fears, (laughs) which is either blinded by fear or slaughtered in the soul. So, and they're, they perfectly mesh into the other, like blinded by fear ends. And it's like one second, it's like, blah, divided by fear. You're like, yes, this is how it should happen. And then, honestly, my favorite song is World of Lies, which I have a funny story about that, in case you guys never knew this. It's a little better embarrassing, but it's fucking funny. So my brother always makes fun of the fact that, so, you know, back when, you know, I was listening to this album the beginning I lived with my parents. Right. And, uh, so I lived in my parents' basement because I was one of those people. Adds up. So I had my, I had my Iowa stereo set up and I was like, I had at the gates playing in it, the CD I'm sure. Right. So like world of lies came on, which back then was still my favorite song. And I started like head banging, like in ridiculous amount during it and I didn't notice my mom came up behind me to like find me to ask me a question (laughs) (laughs) I looked around she's like I'm like oh sorry and then later I found out she tells my brother she's like oh Russell was listening to some music and he was he was doing some moves and they were wonderful (laughs) (laughs) that's a nice story oh that's so cute (laughs) that's my world of lies story (laughs) But <laughs> when I think of World of Lies, I think about my mother. My mother. So I took some my notes on this are Suicide Nation. What BPM is this? It's like <laughs> I was listening to like that's the song that has like the shotgun cock at the beginning. It's like <laughs> love it, love it. And then like Dave said, like the, the lyrics at some point in this band, like just grab you. It's like, uh, that one song is like jaws wrapped around your spine. Oh, <laughs> that's how it ends. <laughs> and you're like, yeah! <laughs> it's, 
just so it's such a it's such beautiful it's i i wrote it down as beauty and brutality that's what this album sounds like to me nice and it's unbelievably great yeah yeah i i don't know what i could do to to elaborate on this i mean (laughs) it's every song is a fucking killer it's so heavy the riffs are so complicated the you know I'm I've never I've never been a, a lyrics person like I don't it's not the first thing I, I really zoom in on um, but the way his voice matches what's going on in the songs and like the rhythmic quality to the delivery just lines up everything lines up perfectly and I think the the most interesting thing to me about this is the band had an album in like I don't know 93 or something then they recorded this and then they all said to each other, we cannot make a better record than this. <laughs> so they stopped for like 20 years. <laughs> they were right. They were, and they were right. Cause the new stuff, not as good. Oh. But like, if I would love to do something and I'd be like, no, no, that was my masterpiece. I'm done. <laughs> like it will never get any better than this. Um, Man. Uh, that tells I mean that t- says a lot about uh the 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 level of this and like this is one of those like super frequently cited records right when people talk about melodic death metal and and uh, stuff from Sweden and stuff from the 90s the hugely influential like everyone has pulled from this album to build their to build their own catalog like <clears throat> you know all the kill switches and 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 metalcore bands of, of like the 2000s they've all pulled elements of this um i have slaughter of the soul as, as my favorite song but it could be just as easily blinded by fear it could be just as easily world of lies or uh suicide nation um this is great it's it's i w- I, like I was perfect. so disappointed when like the new one came out the new like whenever their uh, new one came out like it was fine but it just it wasn't the same you know it's kind of a bummer like, yeah, because it's not Suicide Nation level obliteratingly <laughs> heavy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Oh, such a good album. All right. Drum roll for number one. Number one. Here we go. Number one. The number one album from the 1990s is a little record called Rust in Peace by Megadeth. Yeah. <laughs> You guys both rank this as your number one album. I had it yeah. as number three on my list. So this wow. is a high quality, high quality piece <laughs> of content. Uh, why don't you guys explain why it is the best one? <clears throat> well, I was honestly shocked to see the D ranked as number one. And I would, we'll get into that, I guess, because... Hmm. I always thought Countdown was his superior to this album, but he was correct when he rated it number one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you guys probably know that this is my number one metal album of all metal albums, not just the 1990s. So talk about no bad songs. This has no bad songs. Except in the 2004 bonus track of My Creation, 
is pretty uh, horrible. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't dude. know what the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy to find now when you look this album up. And it's like basically the main version to to listen to. Anyway. So my, I wrote some notes like this is like we discussed earlier. This is when videos mattered. I remember running home to see the Holy Wars video, which is still one of the great metal videos of all time. I mean, it's got Dave Mustaine with his shirt off and his bullet belt. It's got like Nick Menza, like getting up off of his seat and like bashing his cymbals. It's. If you couldn't tell, Holy Wars is definitely my number one song on that album, even though yeah. you, you there's no wrong answers. There is, unless you say Dawn Patrol, there's no wrong answer. Uh, God. I mean, if you said Five Magics, I'd be like, there you go. There you go. That's fine. If you said Tornado of Souls, I'd be like, there you go. There you go. If you said Hangar 18, I'd be like, fuck yeah. Dude, you know what you're talking about. So, I mean, like Tornado of Souls is basically like 60% solos. <laughs> It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I, I just remember listening to this album and my friends are like, how is this possible? How did he write this music? I don't know. It's just fan- fantastical in every way. Russ, like when you had when you had said that you would have thought countdown would be ranked higher. If you had asked me, like to I point out earlier, if you had asked me this question in 1999. <laughs> I would have said that because when Countdown came out, it, it's interesting. I think metal for people, like for me, right? I was in the Metallica lane. I went, like, if you look at your uh, genealogy of metal of your past, of like what you grew up on and kind of Ooh, where you ended up, that'd right? Be interesting. So, so I, you know, I am introduced early on on the Metallica train go down that line pretty heavily. And I don't divert, even though Megadeth and Slayer and other bands are out there, I'm really not paying attention to them. I'm just, for whatever reason, deflecting them. Didn't Wasn't paying attention. Countdown was a hard pit. Like, all right, I'm now in a new lane, <laughs> right? You know, I'm, I'm broadening my horizons. But I, in at that moment in time, wasn't appreciating, in retrospect, the stuff that had come out. So as time goes on, and I am now older and wiser in many ways, I go back and, yeah, Chris is doubting maybe the wiser <laughs> part, o- older for sure. Um, this album is a fucking clinic of, I don't care how good you are at a guitar. Yes. You get, it, this yep. tab, you, you get this tab book. I don't care where you are in your phase. These songs are brutal, are challenging, push you. Like right now, and I consider myself pretty decent, could pull up Holy Wars and that's going to freaking push me. I got to sit and really work hard to get these riffs down. And there will be riffs and all this stuff that would take me months to get down. This is, this is a clinic. Um, and there are many albums that would be a clinic as far as skill-wise, but this is skill but also being a good song at the same time. Yes. <laughs> like that, that's know. the key. Yeah. You're 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 100% right. Like this is expert level 
every song is written at an expert level. There are there are no yeah. uh this is my life, which is literally a bunch of chords. Oh no, that that's actually never mind. A bad example. Doesn't matter. The point is <laughs> Rust in Peace is start to finish like the perfect blend of extremely complicated riffs that are so easily digestible. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing there's nothing abrasive or off-putting about any of these songs. There's no dissonance. Everything flows together. And like the stuff that Dave Mustaine and Marty Friedman do solos wise on this is like unmatched. Like the way that they like effortlessly fly around the neck, trading solos back and forth in uh I guess it's like the end of Holy Wars, um, the stuff that they're like they're doing on drums at the beginning of um, Rust in Peace, like all of all of these songs are are so unbelievable. And I think for a long time I too preferred Countdown. And then as I've kind of just kept listening to these, I gravitate more towards Rust in Peace. And it's again, it becomes to approach it from a guitar player perspective. This is like this is a test of your left hand like this. How quickly can you fret (laughs) notes? Like if you just, if you, I like to warm up with take no prisoners just to see how fast I can get it. Well, and, and to that point, it's not usually you think technically it's the solo, the rhythms on this stuff. They're so hard. They're so hard. They're fucking hard. Yeah. 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 So good. And you get some great Mustang goofy vocals too. You like that? Typhus. <laughs> Thing, take no prisoners. <laughs> Permeate so, them. That's my favorite part. It's the gang vocal. Oh god! <laughs> Get it right. Desecrate them. <laughs> Typhus. Infiltrate. Exterminate them. them. <laughs> It's like a Marvel villain, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. It's like Thanos talking. <laughs> we did it, guys. We did it. Man. Congrats Holy to shit. all the participants, all the bands. Your, uh, and Megadeth. Your trophies are in the mail. And in flames, obviously. So, boy, do we probably could do a whole other podcast of like, where did these bands go after the 90s? Because that's a whole different energy podcast, though. <laughs> so Oh, totally. Let's not go there. Let's stay focused on this. But that may actually be an interesting conversation to have as a follow-up. Um, so I have additional facts for the list. I know we're running pretty long, but uh, I think most... What might be most interesting to people are the bands that are like notable omissions, right? Or honorable mm. mentions. Okay. Um, so bands that did not make this list at all that were potentially up for consideration include Dark Tranquility, Testament, Slayer, Death, Soilwork, Children of Bodom. Death Angel was a very high <laughs> on somebody's list. <laughs> Russ, is, Russ is cheering, high-fiving himself in Fuck the back. Yeah. <laughs> act three, act three. 
yeah, those those are the bands that uh, you know were also receiving votes. Some other ones did kind of lower in our top twenties. Um, you know, you'll notice that there is no load or reload on here, no cryptic writings on here. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to see it like. In Flames was dead. Megadeth had some bad ones at the gates. No, Fear Factory. Digimortal? Was that no, in obsolete. the 90s? Was I don't it? know. Obsolete? Yeah, Obsolete didn't make the list, although it did receive, I think, Russ, you voted on that what one. What a shame. I mean, those, those are fucking killer songs on that album, too. Um, are there any... I'm, I'm a little surprised. I think maybe we should spend a minute on this. Like, oh, I'm a little surprised that you guys didn't get a Dark a Tranquility surprise. album into this list. It's the 90s, though. So there's only really two, right? There's two? Two that I would consider worthy. Well, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah the, the very, very old one. We won't count, but... Well, I would say the, gal- the uh, gallery in the mind's eye. No? Yeah, the gallery in the mind's eye. And I think, Russ, you and I have... I have you, gallery was my 11th. That's why it didn't happen. Right, but then you he, had mind's eye. You had gallery way lower. And you had yeah. mind's eye higher. Right. That's why if we if we linked minds, we would have. But that's exactly how I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. I like Dream Lord Degenerate more than he than. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, we had to cut a bunch of great, great albums. Obviously, that's that's the point of bliss. That's why they're interesting. Yeah, you're missing Cowboys from Hell. You're missing uh, Gallery, Mind's Eye, missing Obsolete. Um, I am... Because it's the 90s, Soilwork didn't make it. But the Chain... Yeah, Soilwork was more 2000s. Really a 2000s band. But the Chain Heart Machine came out in 99. High quality record. It's a great... Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. But, you know, you have to cut something. Hey, sorry, guys. See you again for the 2000s. You have to cut off your wiener if you want to really advance. As always, we thank you, the listener, for joining us. Until next time. The uninitiated. Thank you, sir. Bye. And goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.